The thought that a Christian ministry whose entire mission is devoted to helping people choose life and saving babies could be forced to cover abortions in its health insurance plan for employees sounds ridiculous, but the fact is it could soon be reality if proposed legislation is successful here in Virginia. But there's still time for you to make your voice heard. Welcome to Speak Up Virginia, equipping you to speak up on the life, family, and freedom issues that matter most to you. From the Family Foundation, I'm your host, Candy Cushman, and I'm joined today by our president, Victoria Cobb. Well, Victoria, we're going to get into some really sobering topics today related to abortion and what's happening here in Virginia. But before we get into that, I'd love it if you would just share that really sweet conversation you had with your daughter recently about how the gift of life impacted a family you know. Yeah, I got to share with her this beautiful story of my friend's family and how her son came to be a part of her family. And it's a story I actually got to be a little involved with. My friend called me up one afternoon, this was years ago, and she was standing with a woman in crisis who was headed to an abortion clinic. And my friend called me to find out where was the closest pregnancy center so that she could get her better advice. And in fact, that woman got taken to a pregnancy center. She got better advice. She gave birth to that beautiful child. And my friend ended up adopting her child because she just wasn't in a place to be a mom at that point in her life. And it actually is an even more amazing story because my friend ended up then going into full-time work dealing with adoption and foster care for a nonprofit organization. But it just goes to show you the role of a pregnancy center in redirecting women who are finding themselves in tough situations. And your kids are a friend with that child now, right? Yeah, it's a beautiful thing to watch adoption and just watch what a gift that child is to a family. I love that story. Victoria, what is your advice for how we can start more of these conversations in our own homes or even with our friends that just really helped restore an overall culture of life, you know, one person at a time? Well, it's all about fostering an understanding among our children about an unborn child being part of all of our families. It's part of just emphasizing when there's pregnancy that this child is alive and beating and kicking and showing your children that. And then just when there's adoptions, letting your kids be a part of that. Sometimes kids are part of fundraisers for families to be able to adopt. It's just bringing them into this beautiful picture. And then another simple thing that I do is we, we've always learned in our house that when an ambulance drives by, you pray. Well, I also share with them when, when I drive by the abortion center that is within a mile of my home, I'm always praying. And so my older kids understand understand what that center is, and they understand that it needs constant prayer. That's just part of bringing them into this process. That's wonderful, Victoria. What a great reminder that there are lives involved there. Um, what about when we talk to our adult friends? How can we speak the language of the culture, so to speak, to help communicate to people that it is a human life, a human being in the womb? Well, it's interesting because our culture has certain values that really should perfectly align with our passion about the unborn. Our culture is all about rights and vulnerable people. They think all the time about who are the marginalized in our society. The only thing the disconnect is that they don't understand that the unborn are the most marginalized. They have no voice. They have no one defending them. And in fact, we as a collective society need to take those values and connect it to this issue of the unborn and making sure that they are not uh, voiceless in our society society, that they actually come to a place of life because we all stand up for them. Those are great points. I think the bottom line is that it is so key to proactively look for redemptive ways to start those conversations. Because the truth is, so much of what we are dealing with today, whether it's teen suicide, street violence, so many of the social justice issues, it just gets back to that fundamental lack of understanding about the sanctity of life. Yeah, we have to help people understand and create a culture of life from beginning to end, that we care about all human beings 
even the ones before they enter our families where we can see them, they're there and they're a part of it and we've got to protect them. Well, as we talked about at the start of the show, there's some awful legislation coming through Virginia's General Assembly that would actually expand abortion even further than what we already did last year, right, Victoria? Yeah, I mean, we got to go backwards and at least mention what happened last year before we get to how much worse it's getting. But last year, they had this General Assembly chose to reverse decades of sound public policy that protected unborn babies and women. They removed informed consent for women so that they get all the information they need. Women are no longer guaranteed the ability to see their own ultrasound. The list goes on and on, even safety standards to protect women. And so all that happened last year, and now they're even taking it a step further to the point where they want to force people who disagree with abortion to support it and even have to pay for it. Well, let's dive right into that. Can you explain to us exactly how this is going to work if this legislation is passed? How would Virginians be forced to support or pay for abortions? Well, there's multiple legislative proposals pushing this strategy, but one of the most drastic ones to pay attention to is a state house bill that would, first of all, require Virginia taxpayers to fund elective abortions for anyone enrolled in a state-funded medical assistance program like Medicaid. And that would apply to hundreds of thousands of women, right? Oh, no question. And let's just clarify one thing. When we talk about elective abortions, by elective, we mean it's important to understand that this isn't something like an emergency heart situation. This applies to thousands of optional abortions. That's right. We need to understand another way to talk about this coverage is to talk about abortion on demand. This is people who are using it as a decision about what should be a contraceptive decision. Instead, they're taking a human life. And in addition to that, this bill is going to create a major new funding stream for Planned Parenthood, as if they didn't have enough already. Well, that gets us into one of the most controversial aspects of this bill, which is that it would require private employers to support abortion on demand, right? Right. So it's not just about what we're doing with our public dollars and low uh, income insurance. It's also requiring that private health companies also ensure abortion. And so essentially it's going to require not just private employers in the secular businesses like, uh, you know, any of the stores that you think of or any kind of business, but also ministries and Christian charities and even including ministries and nonprofits who are focused on helping women choose life, which is just wrong. The idea that you are forcing them to do something that is completely counter to their mission and everything that they believe in is just really disturbing to most Virginians. Well, I know a lot of our listeners are going to be disturbed by that and they're going to want to make their voice heard on this now. Um, so how can they do that, Victoria? And how can they also share what's going on with their church? Yeah, we need to be able to make sure that all of our voices are on this issue right now. And, and within, if you're within the sound of my voice, we need you to go to the Family Foundation website at familyfoundation.org and click on the blue Make Your Voice Heard banner. And that's immediately going to take you to our Action Center where you can communicate with your legislators about this right now. And you can also sign up for our text alert so you can know when there's an urgent vote happening or even watch a key debate. Thanks for tuning in if you're just now joining us for Speak Up Virginia, brought to you by the Family Foundation. For more information about us or the topics we're addressing, you can visit familyfoundation.org. That's familyfoundation.org. Well, let's talk about the religious freedom issues in these state pro-abortion bills, how they would force private employers, including Christian pro-life ministries, as we talked about, to pay for elective abortions through health care coverage. It looks like maybe this violates a Supreme Court precedent, right? Absolutely. That we just had this battle all the way up to the Supreme Court with a case that people are probably familiar with because it involved Hobby Lobby. And in this case, Hobby Lobby was simply fighting for the fact that they are a Christian employer and they should not have to fund in their health care 
medicines that they believe are abortifacients. And they fought this and they won. So does that give us a bit of hope that if this state law passes, it could be legally challenged? Yes, and I would argue bills that are unconstitutional like this should have what we call a grace sheet on them when they go before legislators so they know right away this is going to go straight to court. But I don't know if that's the case in this, in this particular bill. That is an interesting point, and I'm glad we have our Founding Freedoms Law Center to be ready for this when the time is right. Absolutely. We're going to need them. And despite this potential violation of a Supreme Court law, advocates for this bill are still trying to claim that it actually has religious freedom protections. What's misleading about that? Oh, yeah, they tend to write into bills things that appear like they're religious freedom exceptions to satisfy some of us, but they actually don't accept anybody outside of the norm. So what it is is they've defined a religious organization not only as someone who, as an entity whose employees are religious, not only as an entity who has a religious mission, but as an entity that has to serve only people people who share that same faith. Well, most faith-based organizations I know service everyone to help everyone. Yeah, so if I'm understanding that right, the protections could be narrowly limited in scope to only be said to apply to a worship service, but maybe not apply to other ministries a church is doing in the wider community or to a parachurch type of ministry. Is that right? I don't know many ministries that won't service anyone in need, and they instantly are required to cover abortion in this bill. Yeah, so it doesn't sound like there's a lot of protection there for religious freedom. Absolutely not. Well, we've been focused on this one proposal dealing with Medicaid and private employers, but there's another kind of sister bill going through. Let's talk about that one for a minute. Because as I understand it, it would expand coverage of abortion on demand through health insurance plans in Virginia's health exchange which is uh, supposed to be focusing on low- and middle-income Virginians. What are the main problems with that? Yeah, what this bill does is it simply removes the restriction that we've had on funding abortion in health care plans that are offered in Virginia under the Affordable Care Act. Lots of people are covered through an exchange. And really, the reality is we've seen in the past where there have been trouble trying to find insurance that doesn't cover abortion. And I'm afraid that's going to be the future when we remove this restriction, that people are not even going to be able to find a plan where they aren't in conflict with what it funds. Well, aside from really just exploiting more women through the abortion industry and trampling on people's religious freedom rights, when you take all these current pro-abortion proposals going through the General Assembly right now, what is the cumulative effect? I mean, how would they overall increase abortions in our state? Well, you know, last year when we repealed all the safety standards and everything else, I sat there and thought, well, more money for Planned Parenthood, more abortions. 60 million abortions weren't enough. And now we see that, yes, we're going to continue that trend every year and add more money to the abortion industry and harm more unborn children. So it is alarming and disturbing and, and quite sad, frankly. That really is so sobering. And it just reminds us that we really do need to be praying urgently on this and during the whole time that the General Assembly is going on. But from a strategy point of view, Victoria, can you give us some insights on the ground game right now over these life and death issues? I mean, is there some chance of defeating these measures? Well, I would say with God, there's always a chance. Um, it's not that it looks like an easy path for the pro-life movement trying to defeat these. It is the fact, though, that our Senate is a narrowly divided Senate, and there are uh, sort of within a vote or two is the difference between a pro-life decision and a pro-choice decision. So that's why people need to make their voices heard, is because it can actually make a difference and could be that one thing that makes stops this bill. Absolutely. So now's a good time to remind everybody, be sure to go to familyfoundation.org right now so you can get our email and text alerts. Want to be part of the action and make your voice heard? Sign up now to receive timely text alerts and watch live debates affecting your family and community. Just go to familyfoundation.org and click on the Make Your Voice Heard banner.
Well, it's time for our Inconceivable Moments Award, where we're featuring examples of the absolute lunacy and craziness that happens when cultural leaders try to give guidance completely apart from biblical principles. And we're calling this the Liberals' Most Inconceivable Moments Award. Inconceivable! Well, Victoria, normally the American flag is displayed as an inspiring symbol of unity that reminds us of the constitutional values we all share. And there certainly was an abundance of flags during last week's inauguration ceremony. But sadly, it turns out they were handled in a way that demonstrated the opposite of unity, right? That's right. If you saw from Inauguration Day, you probably noticed the beautiful field of flags, an amazing display of more than 190,000 flags on the National Mall. And this was publicly promoted as a way to honor those who couldn't attend due to COVID. But then we got the news that something much less unifying was happening behind the scenes with those flags. Americans were told that they could donate to be a symbolic sponsor of these flags to show their, quote, participation in this historic event. But it turns out those donations were being split among left-wing groups, including Planned Parenthood and some of the nation's largest LGBT lobby groups. And not only that, but if you donated, apparently you were also opted into Planned Parenthood's email list. Yeah, it's sad. It just gives us a visual demonstration of the kind of doublespeak we're getting when people talk about unity and taking actions that really create more of, the, more of a division among us. That's why this week, we're sadly giving the inconceivable award to President Joe Biden and his presidential inaugural committee. To your point, Victoria, I think it's also important to note that the word unity or united was used at least 10 times during the inaugural speech. But the actions that have been taken immediately afterward and are still being taken, especially on things like sexuality and abortion, are creating more division. And it seems like the use of the American flag to promote things like Planned Parenthood just pointed that out in a really sad way. It's a deeply disturbing way to start off a new administration. As they say, actions speak much more loudly than words. That's so true, Victoria, and a good reminder of why it's important to stay engaged and defend our principles on a daily basis. Well, now's a great time to wrap up and just remind everyone, after we've done a few of these inconceivable awards, we're going to put them in a top 50 list that you can download. So if you want to participate in the process, be sure to send in your nominations to speakupradio at familyfoundation.org. That's speakupradio at familyfoundation.org. Thanks for joining us for this week's Speak Up Virginia, brought to you by the Family Foundation. Visit us at familyfoundation.org. That's familyfoundation.org. See you next time. And don't forget, we are stronger when we speak together.